0: warning this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore
1: previously on the resident evil podcast
2: it's like i keep saying all the time there's a resident evil for everyone it is nothing and everything for everyone because it can be whatever you think it is
0: i'm a modern man but in some context i can accept a
1: bikini Put it this way, I secretly hope that we are not still doing this podcast in 10 years' time, because then we won't have to do a happy birthday of Resident Evil 6, and I won't have to replay this game.
3: No one finishes that game's story changed. Everybody's basically the same from where they started. Above and Piers, rest in peace. He did.
0: Are we going to Batman just to make to check on it's canon <laughs> yeah. that, that Leon and Ada shagged?
4: Yes, I can can confirm that uh, yes, it's canon that they did shag.
1: And welcome to episode 76 of the Resident Evil podcast, where most of our team would happily join Moreau in eating cheese and watching romantic movies. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, let's see who's joining us today. You? What do you mean? You're the detective! your name is the batman hello he's not deaf he's all power It's stars tyrant hello there ah sorry about that people think he is one of them it's romby
2: hi
1: coming up on today's podcast it's 2012 all over again that's right we are celebrating 10 years of the first resident evil revelations title when it first hit nintendo's 3ds platform we'll be looking back at this interesting game and how it stands up against future entries and casting our critical eye on those fabled revelations. We'll also be looking at the news and another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Without further ado, let's start with the news. First bit of news, right off the heels of the Tyrant statue announcement from Numskull, they've teased us with the next statue coming out the Licker from Resident Evil 2 Remake. I'm going to go straight over to Stars Tyrant for this because he has pre-ordered the Tyrant statue. How does the remake Licker stand up for you?
3: We'll give this one a miss. It's a neat looking statue from what we can glimpse but I have gone on record more than a few times that I actually don't like the Licker redesign in 2 I I don't like the very strange looking head and teeth. I think uh, the original liquor design so iconic because you can still see it where it derived from human with this very eerie human mouth and teeth. I think redesigning 2R loses a bit of that for me. Uh, so I'll give this one a skip, but I'm very interested to see where they go next with these statues because they have indicated it's a range. So very interested.
1: Anyone else going to be tempted to pick this one up? Probably the same sort of price range, I would imagine.
4: If I win the lottery, yeah. Statues are lovely, and I suppose they are reasonably priced for the quality. But yeah, I just it's a bit out of my price range. I'm afraid.
1: And certainly to keep going at them as <laughs> they keep coming out, which I know I'd be tempted to do. But
2: you're going to get a Neptune one if they if they ever release one, right? I know that. I that's, think, I, I, yeah.
1: Right. Actually, that's a really good point. That is a really good point. I might have to go
2: write 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 a letter to Numbskull and be like, Hey, can you expand into the remake space a bit more? And I'd like, mm. I really like a shark.
1: <laughs> I'm not quite sure how iconic the old Neptune is, but you know. <laughs> next bit of news the Resident Evil portal has recently been updated on the uh, on the Resident Evil main web page what's interesting is we did have a bit of a countdown to something that being released which caused all sorts of a, a kerfuffle online which ended up being Street Fighter um, I don't want to dwell on that obviously but people should be aware that Capcom make other games but there we go <laughs> The Resident Evil Portal is gradually being
2: updated, which is Can I say, Nick, I want to say one thing. Just one thing. As soon as, because we obviously have the bot for Capcom on our Discord, and as soon as it popped up with that thing, I replied to it going, oh, great, something for everyone to get overexcited about for absolutely nothing again. And that's all I wanted to say. It's all I had to say and it was 100% right. Because people need to remember that they actually have a bunch of social media for Resident Evil and if it's a Resident Evil based thing they will probably do it through that and not through the Capcom one. Like that's the biggest hell Like, Yes. <laughs> that's why they have a, a separate bunch of social media and websites for Resident Evil whereas they don't have all of those for Street Fighter.
1: So the portal is being updated. with. It's interesting they've done they've done a few of the games so it's got like the history of the, the franchise with the titles coming out and they're covered so far uh, at the point of recording uh, the original Resident Evil one, two, and three, Code Veronica and Outbreak one and two, and zero, and zero. Uh, for, for apologies, uh, and zero as well. There's nothing groundbreaking on it. There's no new law. There's not uh, you know, it's just a general kind of story synopsis. But some of the artwork is quite nice, and for the first time, we're getting quite high-res imagery games, uh, and there's some new ones as well um, that we've never seen before. Um, something switching this back to Neptune. Oh yes, uh, the Outbreak artwork depicted the giant Neptune, which probably would have appeared in Outbreak File 3 should have been released. There's also the G virus dog um, is also on the website. Again, these are images that haven't been seen before. And a lot of it had already been data mined years and years and years ago from the artworks uh, taken out off off the disks. So it's it's a couple of nice visual treats for people there. And I'm hoping we get a bit more as as the website updates. But I mean, what, what does everyone else think? have they been keeping and keeping track of the
4: updates
2: i think it's interesting that not going by release order the list is going by sort order of release date of the games but they haven't done them in that order so they did like the first three and zero and now they've gone back and done Coveronica veronica and outbreak so we don't know what will probably next. i suspect probably the later games will start appearing more but all of a sudden something else like Dead and could turn up so it'd, it'd be interesting it could, could be done in a different kind of a different order or whatever it was uh, interesting, I think it's the Resident Evil 2 one, or 3, I can't remember, but there's like a bunch of artworks of like city streets and stuff, but I don't think those are from the actual game. They look like outbreak locations, but for some reason the artwork's been put in with those. It's the only one I think is in the wrong place, because you can tell it's like not art, it's like 3D models, but they're not the ones from the original backgrounds, they're like actual in-game yes. 3D models. I thought that was kind of interesting though, to see that it was put in that place. But yeah, the artwork's nice, and like, it's nice having the music, like the music so a nice little addition just having a little loop of a theme from the different games it's a curio it's it's just like anything else on their website it's a nice little bit of information and some nice artwork and stuff but don't expect like anything groundbreaking or new announced or anything like that it's just info
1: final point I wanted to make before opening it up as well Outbreak as well has artwork for the Tyrant C model which again was going to be a boss in file 3 we expected does appear in Outbreak file 2 in the 11th elimination and showdown mini games that you can unlock at the end uh, the purple trench coat tyrant you wouldn't expect that to be on the website Uh, but there it is. Whether that is hinting that we're going to get a bit more of an Outbreak revival in the future who knows because as uh, Rob you've just alluded to some games have seemingly been ignored there is no Resident Evil Survivor Gaiden hasn't been mentioned either and Dead Aim has been uh, omitted along with Survivor 2. Now you may think well they're obvious omissions but the whole point of this looks to be the history of Resident Evil that's that's the kind of tab it appears under on the website so whilst you know you perhaps wouldn't expect some perhaps on the mobile games to be explored you know, Survivor was a big game in itself. It had its own artwork, its own style, lots of things would have been prepared dead aim as well. There's lots they could put on it. Whether it comes back in the in the future we don't know, but it does look like it's been ignored.
2: And the outbreak thing as well. The, the the artworks, I mean obviously the plan was a lot more scenarios as as you'll know. So I think it's just that they delved into a small cache of artwork for this thing and just went, Oh, these are all development artworks, let's just throw them on without really a lot of thought behind the fact that these were stuff that didn't make it in the fun. Game because they're mm. just like a series of kept artworks. Again, I probably wouldn't put too much. Too I mean, much it's st- great. No. To, yeah, Outbreak. too much stock into it. Outbreak HD like, confirmed. yeah exactly I, I wouldn't but but you know that's not to say they wouldn't ever but at this stage sean can allude on this a little bit if he wants to i don't know if you if you really want to but the thing is that capcom continues to aggressively remaster a large number of its fighting games which is great and it's great for the fighting game community to play old classics but we haven't had that chance for any of our favorite titles to go back and play ones that like outbreak or delaying.
3: Uh, it's a good point because a um, friend of the podcast, previous guest, Alex Anil, the CVX free actually put up a, an interesting tweet about like you know they've just really obviously um, as a point of recording this weekend just gone they've just announced the uh, Capcom fighting game collection which will have like all the Darkstalkers games coming back for the first time in a long time Alex tweeted you know now's an ideal time to do a Capcom horror collection with like the classic re-titles Chuckin Haunting Ground and things like that you know you've got a Capcom classics 3D collection you know Chuckin Clock- Deadman 3, 3, yeah. Yeah, so, 3 I think we've reached a point where these games now these classic re- titles and and Dino Crisis and Haunting Ground are old enough that they can actually be like bundled into a, a compilation of sorts and actually have like you know a horror and the Capcom horror anthology it would be it's a really good idea and i know obviously there's all sorts of emulation issues and getting the games updated but what people want is not necessarily like a huge overhaul or update just the ability to play them again would be a
2: start on modern hardware i mean it's other something that capcom's done for different things like obviously arcade platform collections they've done those quite a lot over the like last it. 20 years the same with the Disney games they had they had the Disney Afternoon Collection which was all of the Capcom Disney games remasters they're just basically playable they've got a, um, a, a save state and the ability to watch and pick up and play from any point from a pre existing playthrough which is quite cool if you can put all these ones out you must be able to eventually start remastering other things I
1: do wonder though whether there's that kind of like we want people to forget about these titles I know I know we champion Dead Aim a bit and survive just for its story purposes but it doesn't get a lot of love <laughs> well,
2: what, what's what's interesting about that i mean like i i don't not disagree with it as a concept i can see why you'd say that and why you you could think that but then like look at this history thing like why even put like they've put the original resident evil one and two on there like at that point shouldn't they just ignore those and three and just have the remakes of those three games they do not have the remake of resident evil one from the gamecube currently listed what does that mean like does that mean something or is it just an oversight or is it just they are putting it because you know the first game out came out and, 25 years ago because this is obviously this is four weeks leading up to the very end of the or four updates leading up to the end of the 25th anniversary so literally on the anniversary date they're like we're going to re-release these games that's why we're putting this history up maybe i some i'd be very surprised
1: (laughs) be interesting to see if the chronicles games gets the coverage as well because they've always kind of Mm. been whereas something like revelations which obviously the main topic today has always been considered relatively mainline the chronicles are kind of straddled between you know the kind of the survivors which have been been pretty much ignored <laughs> and the kind of chronicles have not been ignored per se they've had they've been passing invention they've had the ps3 upgrade but yeah it'd be interesting That does conclude all the gaming news for the time being. Quick switch over to site news. First, we'd like to give a big shout out to our newest patron, Elsie uh, Hoffman. Thank you so much for joining us. Your support is uh, very much appreciated. And if anyone else wants to check out our Patreon, then head over to our website, click on the community tab, and you'll see a link to um, our Patreon page. The main bit of site news, however, uh, comes from Batman. By the time this podcast is uh, released, the latest lore document will be. Um, out on our website and how appropriate right on schedule it's the Biohazard Revelations Law Document there's a reminder for anyone who is new to the website so the Biohazard uh, Revelations Law Document is a collection of translated Revelations material uh, that wasn't available in English that helps support and supplement the main story beat, so the official guides uh, and so forth uh, Batman has translated them and then uh, uploaded it is one nice big PDF for you to have a look at so uh, John what documents have you translated this?
4: Well there's the two guidebooks there's the navigation and art book and the Biohazard Revelations official guidebook which contains character and monster information. There's obviously Jessica's report which we've already got up as a separate feature the Samurai Edge A1 story which is a little bit of background on the gun Jill has in the game as there's a little bit of lore attached to that and also I've translated all the files because Revelations in particular is probably the game that suffers the worst in terms of mistranslation Translations, you know, it mistakes the FBC for being wildlife conservationists rather than being in charge of biological defence. The original files translated read somewhat different to their um, mm. localized counterparts and contain lots of new information. So it's not quite as extensive as the other law files were put mm. out, simply because there's not as much supplemental material available. But there's still some, you know, some nice nuggets in there for people who uh, want to learn about Revelations and its storyline a bit more.
1: Okay, so um, as stated, that is available on our website under the Features tab. Check it out now. That does conclude our news. We now move on to our main discussion. It's our retrospective look back at Resident Evil Revelations. Looks like we both were too late.
0: What are you talking about? (laughs) Ha. Ignorant creatures who do not yet know of us.
4: Both of you. Come. Look.
0: Thou wilt that I remove the desperate grief which wrings my heart already. Little masked friend. But if my words be seed that may bear fruit of infamy to the traitor whom I know, speaking and weeping shalt thou see together. I know not who thou art, nor by
4: what mode thou hast come down here. The world is in our hands.
0: This is the tea of this virus, and we're equipped to infect one-fifth of the Earth's waters.
4: Abandon
1: hope all ye who enter here. People will be shocked to know that it has been ten years, almost to the month, when Revelation's first Greystar handheld screens of the Nintendo's 3DS console. A revolutionary title at the time, I would suggest, really pushing the hardware quite early on in its development cycle. The game was then of course later ported to the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, And it's now obviously been subsequently re-released on other consoles, including Nintendo Switch. Revelations is an interesting title. Um, I think there was a clear push for what the director wanted to do with this. Uh, It's no coincidence that the name is... Called Revelations, the game features a whole plethora of Revelations with its episodic and chapter based system. We've reviewed this, as I said, back in uh, 2012. So today's podcast is really looking back on how Revelations now fits into the franchise overall, where people think the game sits as well within the larger storyline context, and its general replayability as well. We're going to be having a look at the storyline, then the consequences of it, how it interacts again with future titles. Uh, it's just generally that benefit of hindsight and where the series was um, I would direct anyone who hasn't listened to it as well our previous podcast where we kind of look back on the last 10 years of Biohazard we have a good discussion about Revelations as well D- this podcast is done just to beef that up even, even more so but uh, I want to go around asking everyone what's your kind of general feeling about Revelations now uh, we've all been playing it in preparation as well reminding ourselves of everything to do with the Queen Zenobia and the Terra Grisia incident so I'll start with Star's Tyrant what's your okay, general overview of revelations and how how you feel it fits
3: well I've got to be honest I don't have the greatest time replaying this title to be honest when we did the series playthrough which was nine years ago now in 2013 I mentioned at the time it was the game I enjoyed playing the least out of the entire series and I would say that probably still remains now like it's not bad you know and a not bad Resident Evil game is still more preferable to me than a vast majority of games out there so it's not I don't have an awful time playing it but comparatively to other games in the series I enjoy it probably the least. I find it a remarkable 3DS title, and its translation to-, to HD does come with some benefits, but I do think the game was certainly is bound to the hardware it was originally made on. I do find some of the level design quite bland, even though the Zenobia at times does kind of captivate you with some of its detail and setting but I just find it just a bit of a chore to play I think some of that's the episodic nature I don't think has translated well at all to playing it on like you know a large TV so I actually sat down playing it on a console and although you know like John's breakdown of a story he's done on the previous podcast has allowed me to enjoy the story more for what it is when you actually learn of the nuances and the mystery and, and everything I still don't think it's told particularly well and I do think that harms the enjoyment of it. Yeah it's okay but I'm never in a hurry to play Revelations, and when I'm about sort of 15 20 minutes in, I'm kind of reminded why. Be interesting, more than this one to dissect.
1: It is no, that is an interesting point because. The, the 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 way the, the way the game is structured I, I don't think necessarily lends itself to a lot of replayability so we'll, we'll we'll certainly come on to that batman you you're a bit of a fan of the storyline the kind of mystery element and the uh, the detective nature that uh, our players go through uh, wh- where do you feel the where the game sits nowadays
4: i think it's fascinating really that Out of all the mainline titles, this is the one that's sort of been forgotten about. You know, you never really hear people talking about Revelations 1 anymore. It's quite forgettable compared to the rest of the uh, the mainline series. And I've always sort of struggled to to wonder why, because it's got a lot of elements in there that people seem to want. You know, how many times these days do we hear people moaning about where where's Jill? You know, where's Jill? Where's she been all this time? You know, Revelations put her back front and center for the first time since Resident Evil Three. You know, it reunited with Chris. The game was a step back from the action of, and linearity of Resident Evil Five. It was more horror orientated. There was hub like gameplay. There was key questing. You know, you could go from one end of the ship to the other at any time you want it was all completely open and you know it's it's those elements that make it enjoyable to me bolted on the storyline as well which is very complex full of characters that pretty much all of them apart from chris and jill have some kind of hidden agenda in the game you know i just think it's um it's a really really underrated title it's not perfect by any means it has its flaws it's it's rough around the edges these days but considering its origins was a handheld you know nintendo 3ds title i still think it looks really really good so yeah i just i think it gets a bit of a rough ride but I can sort of see where Sean's coming from. There is something about it that doesn't quite gel. The episodic nature as well doesn't work. I think it would work better if Jill's segment was the main game and perhaps the, the chapters with Quinton Keith and the uh, Terra Grigia levels could be unlockable DLC after you complete the main game. I think that would maybe work better. But I understand why the episodic nature was done at the time for it being a handheld release originally. But yeah, fond memories of it. I think it's probably one of the most underrated titles in the series, but um, it does have its problems.
1: Before we come to Rob, I just want to say, I mean, I've not played it for a long time and, in fact, since I first completed it on PlayStation 3, I found myself actually really enjoying it. Um, I was surprised by myself because my everlasting memories have been one of negativity towards it, but I think I found a lot of positives from my playthrough, and I'll I'll certainly come on to them in a bit, but I was, my, my, my overall feeling has been one of surprise and, ah, kind of leaning into what Batman said there. Perhaps not as bad as I thought it was. Um, so there we go. Romby, you've got the last word your kind of general overview of where you see Revelations.
2: It's terrible. Good night, everybody. <laughs> No, I, I honestly, I, I'm listening to what John's saying and I kind of see what he's saying, and I'm listening to Sean and I definitely see what he's saying. And I, the thing is, I was trying to think of like an apt way to describe it, but there's already a way I can describe this that exists within the realms of this franchise. When the first game was made and they were planning Resident Evil 2 and it became obviously 1.5, there was this interview that's been translated with Bikami talking about making that game and how you had you're like a chef and you're making this thing and you're putting all the right ingredients and then when you put it all together you have a taste of the soup and you go it's not right something's not right that's not not what it should be that's what Revelations is to me it's like you can say yeah you've got this open map that's got fetch questing and there's you know finding keys and there's you know a good story going on but the taste of it is not quite right the, the way it's blended hasn't quite balanced out and I think that is why it's forgettable to people because they go it wasn't a quiet taste I don't want more of that I don't want to think about That I enjoyed it for what it was in its moment but I've got other things to taste that are better and that's the same thing that Sean was saying which is you know I've got other games it's not a bad game it's just that there are better Resident Evil games so it does lots of things that you would perceive on paper as the right things to do but when you combine them all together it's something's just not right something's off and I think that's the reason why it's kind of forgotten and I'm kind of the same like I played the PS3 version back through and I tried a little bit of the PS4 version as well um, last night just to see if there's any real Major visual differences, but I did find like in stretches it was it was a bit of a chore. There are moments where I'm just like, why is this a bottleneck? This doesn't need to be a bottleneck. Why is this area so bland when you've got areas that are really really engaging? And it's just like it feels artificially forced to be longer than it needed to be just to make a point. I think the enemies are uh, are int- on both one hand interesting, but also really not interesting. It blobs a lot of the time, or there's shapes. There's a lot of combat and control issues that haven't completely been fixed when they moved it from the 3DS because it was not a particularly smooth game on the 3DS no and there's all some clunkiness in there and I find like just simple things like enemy hit detection not like actual hitboxes but I don't feel there's like weight to me hitting them sometimes sometimes there is and then other times I just don't know how many more bullets I have to put into the thing before it's going to go down you know like simple things like that that don't give me a good feeling it's it's again this it's like the combat's not bad the over the shoulder works it, it, it functionally works but it just isn't tight enough it doesn't feel like other Resident Evil games have done it better and I think fundamentally that's the, the whole thing for me is that barring the story pretty much every other element in this game has been done better in other titles both before and after and i think that's fundamentally what my biggest issue with this with the title is and why i find it very frustrating
1: well what's interesting, I mean in terms of context and where we were, this obviously came off the battle of Resident Evil Five, a hugely successful game for Capcom. And I, I always find we're kind of in the in the kind of evolution period in terms of the controls. So what you were saying there, Rob. I mean we've we've moved on from tank controls, but we haven't quite got the very nice controls I would suggest of the R E engine. I personally think that Resident Evil seven eight and the remakes, have the controls absolutely nailed down for over the shoulder. I think it took a while for 4, 5, 6, and the Revelations titles to get to it.
4: This was the first game where you could move and shoot as well, though.
2: Yeah, and and this is it. Like, I get the idea that there are iterations here, but like, go back to 5, for example, and while there are limitations, because obviously it's built within that same construct of 4, enemy reactions and the way the combat flows feels very effortless. It's not perfect, but it's less clunky than this is, and I think that's what I mean like I, it, it hasn't quite you can see that they're trying to tinker with it and they hadn't quite got it right and I think that's part of the reason why the controls on the 3ds were even worse than they were on the consoles because they had a year to kind of tinker with it not just because it went to a console but they were had some time to to see if they could improve it and make any changes from basically probably from feedback and testing and just general use and response it's it's a very interesting
3: before you yes you who's just fired up the comments on the youtube video yes we know there were other games in the series that allowed moving and shooting first but (laughs) what we mean is in an over the shoulder scenario so just just chill before you before you hit (laughs) enter on that reply
2: Well, but I played that last game, and I was, I was moving. Yes, well, that yes. One, yeah.
3: file, file two and Survivor two and all that. Yes, we know.
1: <laughs> Do you think then that that is? I it's almost a leftover from the 3DS architecture because it was built specifically for the 3DS, albeit with that Circle Pad Pro edition that it was strongly recommended you use. When playing with that title, I'm not sure if anyone had the misfortune of ever doing so.
3: I've never set it up, because um, I was more than happy at the time with the classic controls, to be honest.
1: Because this is the thing I found going back to it. I, I I actually had it defaulted with classic control mode and found it utterly, utterly horrendous. I then switched it to shooter mode on the on the PlayStation 3 and suddenly I was in a much, much happier place. Uh, emotionally to, with being with it
2: to, to me that makes sense but then sometimes some of the things are like clunky like like you've got scanner attached to i think it was on ps3 ps4 it was like scanner attached to l1 on shooter one or something yeah. and then but your grenade's at L2 but your shoot slash throw button is exactly the same, there's no independence so if you didn't realise if you were fat fingered, you know, you could accidentally hit L2 and write 1 when you didn't mean to and throw a grenade that you didn't mean to throw because there's no prep the grenade it's just literally throw the grenade, you know and, and, and there's like, there's those little things, it, it almost needed a customizable one as well as, as long as these presets, one that you let you just tinker with certain buttons and reassign them different things i'd rather have the grenade say under my right one so i hold right two and then push right one to throw my grenade but then that's not the way the shooter's set up it's left two, which is okay, fine, I see why, but why can't I change that?
1: Oh, yeah, the number of times (laughs) I was scanning Skagdead in the middle of the boss fight, pressing the wrong button, (laughs) when I was supposed to be getting out the sniper rifle. Yeah, I I can sympathise. Again, I think Revelations 2 did that. I mean, there's 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 loads of button uh, configurations for Revelations 2, and I think yeah, perhaps you're right there, Rob needed a bit more it, it's
2: customized. the same it's just it's the same thing with even just switching between different types of uh sub weapon grenades and as you said yeah like sniper rifle that sort of stuff it's it's not smooth they hadn't quite nailed that aspect quite yet it's it's never an easy it's one of those game problems but i i, I, I keep going i'm not saying i'm not meant to harp on but it kind of goes back to what i was trying to say which is just that it's not wrong they had the, the right intent it just wasn't executed properly and it's like the, again the soup you know you, you put all the best ingredients in with the, the hopes but the way you, you concocted it together you put too much of something and too little of something else and the flavour isn't right. Like, that's just what it is. That's, that's the, you know, the control system is is functional but hasn't been perfected and there's definitely shortfalls. And I, yeah.
3: I've also found that with the PS3 and, um, or rather the HD versions that they, they just haven't quite got the analogue movement right. It like, I suppose the term is oversteers or whatever, or just, you know, no matter what you do with adjusting the just insensitivity, it just seems to just, the aiming on it, I
2: just find terrible on the, um, on the console versions, and and it's not great when you're in tight enclosures where like they set up and and justifiably quite often you come through a door and there's going to be an enemy kind of lurking slightly off camera just to try and get you, which is fine. But then you've got that time to react and aim, and it's not quite right, and you end up you, you're in a panic for the wrong reasons. You're not in a panic because you're scared. You're in a panic because you're like crap. I'm trying to aim and I missed it. You know, mm-hmm. My first shot just went over its shoulder because I, the aiming wasn't quite. In time, in prep for this past, I've been playing the PC
3: version a bit, using mouse and keys for pretty much the first time, and I actually found it a much, much better, more playable
2: experience. To be honest, mm-hmm. it worked quite I well. That. Well,
0: we've John, talked about
3: John's, the...
2: John's quietly hating us right now for like constantly ragging on this. Like he's like, I, I like this game. <laughs> Damn you all! <laughs> so cool.
1: We've spoken about the episodic nature um, of of Revelations, but of course, this wasn't exactly a new thing uh, when the game came out. We'd already had. Resident Evil Four and Five adopting a very similar premise uh, with you know with with a chapter based sin- situation and obviously Resident Evil Four was the first game that ever really did anything like that outside of Survivor Two which I wouldn't necessarily count so there was that kind of natural evolution again progression of having that system it didn't feel particularly out of place having it and indeed as, as you've mentioned John the the fact that it was designed specifically for 3ds which traditionally means you know shorter sharper gameplay experiences for you know for players it did make sense at the time most of the chapters are between what 20 30 minutes I, I would I would suggest some a bit shorter so there was that you know that kind of like you know the, the commuter playthrough of revelation so I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the way the episode the, the episodic structure was implemented because we had four and five before it i don't know if anyone say agrees or necessarily disagrees, but i just wonder whether the structure of those episodes are the problem
4: i think it's because i think the difference is that the episodes in the four and five and maybe just to break the gameplay up a little bit whereas i think the episodic nature of revelations because of the console it was first created on that has influenced the way they've told the story which i right. think as you rightly say has, has had a negative effect because it jumps around so much from character to character and i think if it was developed for consoles i don't think that would have been the case if that makes sense
2: I mean, part of, part of it for me from a narrative point is to obviously also increase certain bit about amount of the Mystery and so forth. So I could see a little bit of time jump. Like you wouldn't, fundamentally, you could completely just have the cold open of being on the ship like it is and then it kind of it's a bit weird because it jumps back to before that immediately and then immediately takes back there and you could choose whether or not you wanted to do that you could just have the beach have the Terra Grigia open explain and then the beach being the first bit of the gameplay is like a tutorial rather than the little bit of the ship that you investigate but obviously they want that intrigue of you landing on the ship and looking for Chris and it's interesting because I feel like that's what constantly happens throughout the game is like I'm like I think it's not that the story's bad or that the jumbling around is really terrible but more that you start to get engaged with something and all of a sudden oh wait hang on no we're off to this bit and then you kind of forget about the bit you were previously engaged about and you start getting engaged in another bit of the story here and all of a sudden oh no we don't worry about it we're going to go back to that last and it becomes more complicated than it needs to be even though this, the plot has its own twists and turns it kind of makes it even messier to try and piece all those bits together because you're all over the place in that regard.
0: Yeah.
4: And it's like they tried to milk it as well. It's like, oh, we must end every episode on a cliffhanger. You know, we need Mm. to try and dramatize it and make it like a a drama Mm -hmm. series. Yeah.
2: And and the other thing as well, as I said, like parts of the game feel artificially extended for those purposes. There are certain stages that are nice and quick and other ones that just go on for perhaps too long or like you end up in this like bottleneck boss fight where I'm just like, why why am I doing this? Why can't I just have a regular boss fight? Or like, why do I need this boss fight just to have a cliffhanger for this next setup for the next thing? it's not necessary we can just move the story forward it's it's exactly it's not it's not a a, not a narratively pointed boss fight it's just here to create an obstacle it doesn't feel earned. i think you mentioned
1: in the previous podcast though john you were pleased that they did show like the terracresia incident uh, because of course this is what underpins the entire storyline the The destruction of the aquapolis as it 's known uh, in the in the Mediterranean Sea, and why it was covered up by uh, by the f b c and I agree, I think it was good that we actually got to play a bit of it i 'm just not happy with what bit we did get to play with it,
4: yeah, the Terragrigia levels are not fun, but i I appreciated the the extra effort i think the made in trying to tell the story with this game i mean. I said on the last podcast about Resident Evil 5, we all praise that story, but 80% of the meat of what happens in Resident Evil 5 happens in the background files. We're not shown it. Yes, we get that little flashback with Spencer that's about it whereas with this game as you say we get to play in terra grigia we get to see firsthand what happened rather than just reading it in a file get this little tutorial level on the beach which is a good way to sort of introduce the new characters and uh, add a little bit of world building which again once upon a time in previous games we would have only ever got in a file and even the ending you know we get proper epilogues to all the characters we're told Mm. what happens to them rather than just never hearing them from from them ever again randomly and you know, we even get the shot of what happens to Chris and Jill with them approaching the mansion in Lost in Nightmares and you know I appreciated all those extra little touches and I was hoping that would carry on into future games, but with Resident Evil 6, they just sort of went straight back to how they used to do it. But yeah, I mean I don't want to get too much into the story of Revelations, because I've spoken about it so many times before, but I really appreciated what they tried to do with this game. Every character's got, you know, some kind of hidden agenda. There's so much going on. Unfortunately, it's just a bit too convoluted to the point where it's put a lot of people off, which is a shame really because I'll always champion the story of this game. There's so much mystery going on. It's, it's one of these games where Every time you play through it, if you were compelled to play through it numerous times, um, you would learn something new. But as you guys have pointed out, it's the faults with the gameplay. That puts people off wanting to play it multiple times and because of that they miss out on on the finer points of the story which is a shame. Do you think
1: then that they did one too many revelations in that sense? It got to a point within the storyline where you've got, not only was, you know, did you find out that it was Morgan that was you know, the traitor, you then worked out that O'Brien wasn't exactly uh, clean in his thing and Jessica was betraying and Vesta was betraying and it it just got, it was like, oh and another one, oh and Norman was betrayed and it's like you know, it got to a point where you go, oh yeah, Jack Norman. Yeah. You know, by the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about
2: him. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just sorry. I just want to interject because on this point, I do remember the first time playing through. It, I was like, when we'd have another character, another situation, I was like, if this person isn't screwing someone else over, I'll be more surprised. Yeah. Like it got the, I got the opposite. <laughs>
4: Yeah, and I think again that ties back with the with the episodic nature of it being on handheld mm-hmm. and, and the wanting to tell the story in short, sharp episodes. Mm-hmm. It's a who done it story, you know. Like you said at several points in the game, the, the suspects change every sort of episode. Really, like you say, one one episode it's O'Brien, the next episode it's Lansdale, Vesta, Parker. There's so much going on. Is there's literally Chris, Jill, and, and Rachel? I think are the only clueless bastards in this game. Everyone else seems to have some sort of hidden agenda in play, and I think, you know, that's that's a good thing, and I wish more games had supporting characters with meteor roles like this game does.
1: But it creates a problem I think, because, you know, you, you go through these levels and you're kind of absorbing them on an individual basis, you know, oh, that's quite good, and then, you know, it, it, it's not the real Chris, it's a fake Chris, you go, okay, well, that's a, that's an interesting revelation, pardon the pun, and then it's only when afterwards, you slip back and go, what, what was the point of that? And then, you know, what was Vesta doing if he wasn't the bad guy but then he was and then it it's so confusing and I I, say, I know you don't want to go into it too much obviously but I think it diminishes you as a player in terms of what you're experiencing because it it makes it all seem it makes it all seem a bit pointless and I had horrible flashbacks to when I first played Metal Gear Solid 2 Sean I apologize where of that feeling of <laughs> utter utter pointlessness and that I was just some random porn in a game and I didn't like it I like to feel important just, in my video
2: games. It's taken taken you out of it's taken you out of the game that way. It's interesting to say that because I do remember like thinking this, even just replaying it. Like there are certain character motivations which are obviously drawn out for later. Again, no pun revelations. It, and sometimes they do kind of break the wall of common sense and but lots of lots of media do do that it just depends on if the payoff kind of works i guess yeah and i guess that's the problem in a lot of these cases it's like john and i've already talked about it's like sometimes it's just setting up a cliffhanger ending or putting suspicion on someone who has done something wrong but it's not necessary that they're the worst bad guy they were doing it for something else there's actually a other person who's actually the real Maybe, or well, the then you, but then you have like vesta
1: or... you know vesta shooting parker unnecessarily i believe if, <laughs> I'm, if my memory serves me correct hey. and then sh- and then shooting jessica but making sure that he would you know it was all a bit it's all a bit convoluted when you stop and think about who's actually working you go oh that's an interesting twist wait a minute
2: yeah but that goes back again your yeah, cliffhangers and episodic concept you know to try and draw mm. you in
1: so Darren what's your take on the the overall rev- uh, lore and revelations elements to this title
3: to be honest even with um with John's breakdown that he's done and we, we must actually dig that out and like maybe put it as a like a YouTube video for people to actually be able to just like listen to on our page because it's excellent and it's shame it's a shame it's a lost to a podcast episode i can't even remember the number of but despite that, there's still elements of the story that I still, you know, even to this day, I find baffling. And it was only the other night, actually, um, I was reminded playing when I was playing it in preparation for this podcast. I remember there's actually an in- extended sequence with Rachel and Raymond it isn't even in the game at all. It was just used primarily for a trailer, and I linked it on our um, on, on my on my Twitter, and it basically depicts Rachel's final moments on the Zenobia. And the bit that I find baffling is at the end of this, where like Raymond who is a bit sort of ambiguous of his, like, true villainy or whatever, um, actually, like, infects crew members, which, given the angle they play in the main game, seems quite out of character. And I know at the time, in the trailer purposes, you're supposed to believe it's Veltro and not not Raymond, but it's still... Still, still odd, I don't know whether you wanted to allude on to, as to what he's up to in that trailer, John, or whether you know people kind of see that as a non-canon sort of promotional thing, or should it have been in the game, shouldn't it? It's Things like that are just aspects of the story that still, I think, are ambiguous to a point of frustration.
4: No, I would completely agree. I remember having huge debates with people at the time when this trailer came out, because... In some respects, I think you're right, it is out of character for Raymond in the game. I think it is misdirection because we are supposed to think it is Veltro killing the crew and recovering the virus, because in the game files would imply that the crew were long dead by that point, and Raymond's mission is to recover the virus for Tricell, so I'm not really sure why he would be going around shooting people and injecting them with the virus. But that being said, you know, the scenes with Rachel, where she gets attacked in the ooze, uh, sorry, in the elevator by the ooze, is consistent with the injuries she has in the game and the file she leaves when she's uh, mutated. So, like you say, we could do with clarification on things like that because it could quite easily be non canon misdirection or it could be essential storyline that we're not getting in the game. And I agree completely that because we don't get. Clarity on that—that it is extremely frustrating.
3: Do you think ever—and this is a sort of open question. I mean, obviously the series is well known for leaving plot threads dangling for many, many years. But we've now reached—we're actually going to reach ten years of like last appearances of a few characters. You know, when we get to six, it'll be even more. But like the ending, the sort of post-credit scene with um, uh, Jessica Raymond and the abyss in a nice fancy restaurant like that's still not been followed up 10 years later and it's very much left as a to be continued like all the
4: episodes are in it
3: and yet it's i can see them never going back to that to be honest and it's just another one of those frustrating threads that they've left open
4: it is very frustrating because obviously after resident evil 5 they closed off so many plot lines they basically had a, a blank slate in terms of taking the story forward so in some respects. I could see why they did a prequel with this, because the Resident Evil 5 introduced the BSAA, so Revelations really sort of fleshed them out. It explained why they had to be reorganized um, by the United Nations into sort of the larger fighting force we know them as today. In terms of the characters, it's a shame what they did, because Raymond Vester is essentially a male version of Ada Wong. You know, he is exactly the same in terms of his... his morally ambiguous but probably not as evil as, as he's probably portrayed because he, his main mission in the game is to bring down Morgan Lansdale because he, he was utterly disgusted at what he did in, in Terragrigia. That's his main mission. And getting the virus for Tricell always comes across to me anyway like a completely secondary objective for him. He doesn't particularly care. His mission is to bring down Lansdale, whereas Jessica is the opposite. She wants to get the virus, but she wants to protect Lansdale. That's the conflict between them. But the disappointing thing these characters have never been used before, uh, sorry, since, is because they make so much effort with Jessica and Chris and her sort of unsuccessful flirting with him and the way she's always asking him questions about Jill. It really did set the stage for some sort of future confrontation between them that's never ever been followed up on. Likewise, O'Brien, such a great character, the leader of the BSAA, obviously conflicted with what he does in this game. These are really good characters to take forward. And what do they do? Oh, O'Brien resigned from his position and we never hear from him again. He goes off and writes a book. You know, the BSAA have featured in pretty much every game since Revelations came out. O'Brien should have been in those games. You know, Chris, if Chris is going to take on the BSAA in, in Resident Evil Village DLC or RE9, then he needs to be knocking on O'Brien's door.
3: Old you old know. veteran O'Brien chambers his pistol for the last time.
4: Exactly, yeah. And it's a shame because Revelations, with it being a prequel, it took the time to set up all these characters. It added to the world building and they've just done nothing with it. And it's a shame.
1: I think that's a really good point because we can retrospectively look at how it was and how it is in terms of the lore. As it was almost a a prequel to 5, but because of those links with other games, as you say, BSA has been in Resident Evil 6, they've been in Biohazard The Stage, they've been in Heavenly Island 7-ish and village you know they've got the, they have this long history and you as I said, you can track it all the way back to uh revelations and there's lots of lore around it in terms of thinking umbrella chronicles i think uh there's a tie into umbrella chronicles with that private anti-biohazard unit that you see in uh with jill and chris and it all kind of you know it all flows relatively smoothly for resident evil standards and the copious amounts of organizations they like to introduce but as you say it looking back on it someone like jessica and O'Brien, they do feel like side characters and perhaps, they, 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 as you said, they didn't necessarily need to, especially with O'Brien being one of the original 11, there was a good opportunity to permanently establish a kind of new Alpha and Bravo team with them, you know, and you could, they could have gradually introduced oh, you know, here's Josh Stone, he's a member of the Alpha team or what, what you know, and, and you could have actually built up quite a, you know, a strong camaraderie of new, you know, protagonists uh, to take forward. So it does seem It does seem strange. Uh, But then we saw that happen post RE5 as well with, you know, Tricell. They were introduced in 5, built up a bit in degeneration, and then they were killed off screen in the same way that Umbrella was. (laughs) You know, it's pointless. The the Tricell could have easily become the new baddies going forward. And if you just played 5 and Revelations, you started there. You, you would see them as the baddies. There's no reason to get rid of them. And I think Revelations is harmed by that because it almost, like I say, it builds them up. It does all this background, you know, lore. It's almost like if they had a, did, you know, did a prequel to, I don't know, um, I don't know, Hound Wolf Squad or something, you know, and then they were gone by end of eight, you know, or something like that. It, it seemed a bit futile, but at yeah. the time... Yeah it felt it feels important doesn't it oh this is the BSAA and yes the BSA storyline continues onwards but but it just completely ignores everyone, everyone. within it
4: i've always found it strange capcom's decision making when it comes to particularly reusing minor characters because it would put such, I mean, fair enough, there's maybe no real point to it in some cases, but it would just give the fans something to smile about. I mean, even in Revelations, you get the little cameo from um, Kirk, the helicopter pilot from Resident
3: I still love that to this yeah, day.
4: There's absolutely no point to it. It doesn't add to the narrative at all, but it gives the fans something to recognise, a link to another game and something to smile about. And I, I just, for the life of me, do not understand why they don't do that more often. I mean, obviously, yes, don't make it, gratuitous but they just they don't do it at all you know i can i can no, sort no. of understand why they don't use organizations again you know if you, if a writer comes on board and he thinks right my storyline's going to have this villain i don't want to use tricell i can sort of understand that but when it comes to having characters if you're going to have the bsaa in the game you're going to need supporting bsaa
3: Tri- tricell characters
4: sorry. and they just they just never get used, and that's what frustrates it's me. You've got have had
2: members from from five turn up as well, you know, that before because it was the before the events of five, the ones that turned up at the start and got killed at the start of five.
4: Exactly. Yeah.
3: I find the whole tricell thing really frustrating because, like, with them being added as a footnote to the end of um, Infinite Darkness as well, is they're just they're just a series of footnotes and cliffhanger endings, and then they just fuck off as quickly as they have a extended appearance. You know, with what you were saying, John, about like characters being introduced and, and like never used again and, and whatnot, it's like why when you're making why when you're pitching like the idea of Resident Evil Vendetta, when you've got why would you create a character like Glen Arius, who has no vendetta as such other than what they, they forcefully create within that title, when you could lean on Lansdale coming out of prison and exacting his revenge on the BSAA or something? It's just, it's just it's
2: mind-boggling i had the same issue with we were talking about connected tissue the same thing with the remakes you know you had this chance to connect those two things when you're remaking them and they didn't seize that opportunity just to, to kind of find more reasons to have those two things tie over so i can't be that surprised that they didn't do it anywhere else to be fair
4: it's almost like capcom think that they're audience for a new Resident Evil title is going to be comprised of, of completely new players who won't be familiar with any of the series.
2: That's the reason why the HCF appearance in 7 was an absolute shock. Yeah. It's true. Because we weren't expecting that and then we were like, that's pretty... That's a. That's a, <laughs> That's an old school reference there, like that no one else who's played only games since 4 is going to probably get that.
1: But it's fan service done right, isn't it? Sort of like Kirk's appearance is precisely as John says it, a- it adds absolutely nothing because they needed a helicopter a psa helicopter to take down the malacoda and they thought well why don't why don't we just use the chap who you know who pegs it in five mm. why not but
2: this is the reason this is the reason why by comparison the line references in rev 2 were not as well received by some people was because they didn't feel earned or they didn't feel true because they were kind of a little bit more forced from an outside narrative perspective for more of a wink wink nod nod fourth wall break more than they are for like putting a reference to a character and you know. Like though so that's the, the difference between pleasing making a fan pleasing event where you put you let the audience go, Hey, I recognise that guy and that connects to uh, yeah, it makes sense, We you, know, you you feel slightly rewarded for the intelligence of putting those two things together if you get the reference. And if you don't, it doesn't make any difference. It's just a helicopter pilot to you, so exactly, you, know, if you don't get it.
1: But you do make a good point, though, Rob, about Revelations 2, because actually there is a lot of good fan service and links back to Revelations 1, even though the storylines are completely independent of one another. Uh, they bear no resemblance in terms of organisations or viruses, but... I thought, in terms of Revelations One's legacy, the the connective tissues that they did make for Revelations Two were really pleasing, even if they were again quite simple. Just having Natalia as being a Terra survivor,
4: Great. And mm-hmm. I think that, that's the benefit of, of bringing back the same writer, you know, to do the sequel. It was the same writer who did mm-hmm. both Revelations games, so he knew all about the backstory because he obviously wrote it. You know, that's the closest thing we've had in terms of connections to. The old days of Flagship when Sugimura was writing multiple scenarios with all these links. And it's it's a shame they don't do that more. If if they do do a Revelations 3, it'll be superb if they bring DeSato back and make it a sequel to both games and bring Jessica and Raymond back and, and Natalia and, and finish that storyline. I know that'll never, ever happen, but you know in an ideal world that's what you want and that's the problem with with the mainline numbered games at the moment they're bringing in new writers every single time and because they're terrified of making mistakes or retcons they just go off in a completely new direction and introduce more original new elements that they know won't conflict with anything i mean anthony johnson when we spoke to him he openly admitted didn't he that his resident evil background knowledge wasn't particularly great and that's why he didn't lean too much on elements from the past and yeah that's that's what's in the series, in my opinion, we need a consistent writing team, or someone at least to map out a blueprint of background storylines that can assist new writers when Capcom hire them.
2: And, and that that's one hundred percent correct because it's the same mentality that we've talked about before, which is that you we have these organisations that, and as Shawn was into as well, that kind of just appear as they need to on a basis, or a, 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 a main bad guy who appears and disappears within one game because there's no overarching continual villain plot anymore um, post Whisker so you've got to kind of nut out what you want to do long term whereas every game is going to continue to be slightly disjointed and there isn't a flow through there is you know it's a weird place to be in and I think it is part of that I can kind of also understand it from the perspective that we've talked about as well that like obviously all the games are kind of the different games as well like how they play the backgrounds the type of enemies the viewpoint you know all that sort of stuff changes that as well and so I guess that also allows the creative director or whoever's pushing that vision to kind of push a certain narrative on that. Like, obviously, you couldn't have done Resident Evil 7, for example, the way it was if they didn't have someone who was Ethan. You, you wouldn't be able to establish that same tone and the same scenario if it was Chris or Jill or Leon or Barry or anything, because it comes with a certain amount of baggage and expectation. So, obviously, they want to draw that as we want this horror themed house. We want a character who seems out of their depth, you know, all these things um, that you can project yourself on. Well, you can't do that with an existing character. You can't do that when you're in, in the circumstances of someone who's got skills. And those become harder points as well. Whereas you need someone to go, right, we, we need to map out three games. We need to map out a new trilogy. We need to map out an arc yeah. here with a bad guy and, a, and, a, and an actual. A narrative conclusion that's within the one game, so you feel like through the game you've at least achieved something. But realistically, there's a there's a there's a long game going on here for at least another two or three games.
1: Interesting. I think no, I I I, I think you're right. I think because when we look back at Revelations, and we didn't know it at the time, we touched upon this in the in the last podcast. It does feel quite standalone. And at the time, I think uh, Batman, you mentioned that. It was quite refreshing at that time, you know. Yes, we had some familiar tropes with Jill and Chris, but otherwise, it was very much on its own, nothing to worry about. And but since then, and you could even argue this with the mainline titles, which is why I was, I was quite excited about Village, just because it was a direct sequel to Seven. Everything since Revelations has been very much a standalone title, and this goes back to what we're talking about with regards to you know making that own game, you know, stand on its own two legs, but you know whether whether capcom are thinking oh, you know we're going to get a lot of new players we don't want to drown them in lore but each new game we've seen a new virus a new organization whether it be I the t Bis and uh, Veltro or FBC or the C virus and Neo Umbrella or the connections and the moulds, um, it just goes on and on and on. You know that there is that that, that kind of that, that that legacy and impact that arguably Revelations uh, was the, almost the, the progenitor of it in how it, the, these kind of standalone titles worked without that fear of necessarily. Stepping on the toes of any future plans. Um I, I, I wonder how much of that is is at play now with, with the development of the t- titles. That was a big
2: big sigh for me, sorry. Um <laughs> I I as much as I would like to be able to on the basis of like me saying to John before, you know, I think this game's not great and all the problems. I don't know if I could actually base revelations as that because while we could say it's fundamentally the first time that we had a spin-off title where the mainline characters return, I think. I can't say if I could blame Revelations because, in some ways, that is no different than, say, Dead Aim in some respect. There's a different uh, virus adaption, there's some new characters, there's a new villain, it's Umbrella adjacent, obviously, in the era, but, you know, it's to do with the fallout of Umbrella, so it's kind of not. And, like, you could say that that's not really different. And then it really is just about the fact they continue to follow that up with these narratives the same way that after Revelations. I don't know if Revelations was quite the problem. It's just that they didn't make Revelations a one-off or one of a couple of games that were a spin-off series, that they are as Revelations 1 and 2, kind of. Um, and instead, even the mainline games, as you correctly said. And I think, realistically, the problem is less Revelations and more the, the jump from 5 to 6. That 5 was a conclusion to a lot of things. It killed off a continuing long villain And then the director who worked on that did not want to return to do six and nobody really wanted to do six because they didn't know what six was going to be at first. And then six became the problem because they needed to figure out what this was going to be. And I think I would blame six more than I would blame Revelations for where things went afterwards because you could course correct. If if, if the problem was literally just saying, hey, this is a one-off and it's going to be that way then you could probably just say Awards Revelations is, it's not a standalone game in the sense it's not connected to other things, but it's more of a, this is a one-off story in its own offshoot line of like a narrative that you could have sequels to and you could still have your mainline series doing another narrative, but that's the problem. They haven't continued a narrative anywhere until basically Village and even then, it's only in some aspects. Oh, I'm such a ranking mood to them so sorry.
4: No, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, So no, I, th- I think this is a fascinating conversation, but I think we're digressing away from Revelations <laughs> as a game, like we always do. Um, I just, I just <laughs> wanted that to
2: say
4: Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the game itself and ask what you guys thought of the swimming sections, which was obviously a completely new feature for Resident Evil at the time. I, I for one, found the swimming sections quite enjoyable. Um, although Jill could hold a breath for a, an obscene amount of time, um, <laughs> I thought the that new element to the gameplay of Resident Evil was uh, quite successful. I know they carried it on into Resident Evil 6, but what did you guys think of the uh, the swimming sections?
1: Well, I, I've hated I think... swimming sections ever since Sonic invented it.
4: And,
2: <laughs>
1: um...
2: Nick, you took the words out of my mouth. Literally, I literally was about to say no so way. <laughs> swimming sections in games and usually not that bad. I didn't think Revelations was, 1 was actually that bad, but... You
1: it, it, it's better than RE6's swimming sections. If, well, if I don't
3: it. mind them. John, I think they're actually quite atmospheric when you're swimming around the die. It's almost like something's been yeah, lost to time. They're a little bit better on the three DS because of the additional sort of touchscreen controls during some of the puzzles. But the actual idea of it, it's not too bad and, and like they're much better than Resident Evil Sixes, which is just diabolical. Yeah. And it's one of the only sort of you could say genuinely new things that Revelations introduces in terms of gameplay, that that kind of movement and Starting from walking it, while shooting in that perspective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah absolutely. Yeah, of course. Sorry. But yeah, no, it was, um, it was it was something that you know they utilise the setting in in ways that I I didn't hate. The only thing the only thing I would say is you you made a little bit vulnerable in the harder difficulties. Is all I would say. I, I can't remember the, the is it the sea creepers?
1: Sea creepers, yeah.
3: Yeah, they can be a little bit challenging on the harder difficulties in the swimming sections if you don't have the underwater grenades, of which I've completely forgotten the name, the actual name of them.
4: Anti-bowel decoy grenades or something.
1: Aren't the sea creepers just female ooze, basically? Ladies that have been infected with the T-Abyss virus. Uh, instead of turning into ooze they turn into sea creepers but you must ignore rachel foley
4: pretty much yeah um from,
2: from a from a narrative point of view as well it wouldn't it makes the most sense to have a underwater section like if it didn't have an underwater section at all at any point you would be like why not like <laughs> you've got ships and water and storms and it's old and like, why would yes. you have these char- why wouldn't you do it it's, a on, option.
3: on that, on, on that though, I think the Dido and on, on the whole, is an exceptional setting. Even when you get to the areas that you can walk around on foot, it, it even though it's only been underwater a year, it feels so much older than that. You know, akin to exploring a wreck of a hundred years ago or something. It's it's mm. very eerily done. Very, it's one of the more one of the highlights. I would actually say of the game in terms of atmosphere. He's walking around the Dido.
1: Well, I think that brings us on nicely then to actual the, the, the locations that are used in this game. And we've kind of mentioned it as well, but the, the, the general kind of Zenobia location, I was very much pleasantly surprised at just how atmospheric it was. I liked, I liked the exploration element. I really enjoyed uh, some of the environmental storytelling that did exist within the, um, within the ship. It was a nice cruise ship, you know as mr spencer would say but you know there, there was something wrong and there's there's quite a lot of blood and gore you know right right at the beginning you know there's all that kind of mystery element with the the ooze going through the ducks and whatnot and you know there there is a lot of gunk and all sorts going on and you see some um some of the, the captain well, I mean, the captain but dead crew members were like maggots coming out of them and, and we've mentioned as well with rachel foley's death and and, and that kind of thing that there's there's actually quite a lot going on and i i personally found it to be a really really enjoyable location the the random smoke or uh, i I suppose it's smoke or dust that's in the kind of like cafeteria area i found quite amusing and then you've got the kind of uh, the 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 swimming pool area the promenade that's taken over whatever you know by the you know by, by, by the Barnacle things, that more are blisters. The, yeah, they're all over the place. You know, I th- there's there's enough differences on the ship within the areas. You know, um, but tonally, I found it very consistent, and, and that's that's quite a, that's quite a key skill to adopt. I found it a bit more interesting ship than the Spencer Rain, and I really like the Spencer Rain.
4: I was just pleased we had a hub location again I mean fair enough it's probably not as extensive as the RPD or the mansion of course but the fact that you could go where you wanted and there was plenty of optional rooms like you just mentioned the swimming pool there you don't have to go to that section at all if you don't want to Um, and you can go right from one end of the ship to the other from you know when you're on chapter 11 or whatever you can go right back to the very start where Jill and Parker first get on the ship there's no need to of course but it's just nice to be able to do that instead of being trapped by these red doors from previous games that you can't open.
1: Oh, don't 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 get me started. The, the linear nature of some of these. And yeah, I I don't like that. But yeah, it was it is a nice hub area. And again, as you said, the optional rooms. I think room three oh three. I think you know there's nothing in there bar a file. But again, it's that it's that that kind of risk reward. Where do we go? You know, watch like what shall I, I look out for? And I said you, you, there's lots of locked doors. Themed keys again, all very nice. Card reader, got safe, you know, uh, card readers and safes that you got to unlock. Relatively simple puzzles, just things to note mentally on the map. Yeah, the map is atrocious though within the game. Yes, it is. (laughs) One of the worst maps. Uh, Not the one on the screen on the HUD thing. That's
3: the three D Metroid Prime style map. What on earth is that?
2: so this again goes back, I'm listening to all your conversation about like exploring and stuff and I'm just like, yeah, but again, it's just like there are all these niggly little elements to it that just don't quite line up. The map is definitely one of them until you learn, you know, if you don't learn the layout, you're, you're going to be like the map is not really much of help in that regard. Like it's okay from getting point A to point B, but when you're wanting to do that exploring, but you kind of get somewhat lost, it's not helpful. If you forgot where something was that you wanted to go look for a key for a door, you got to pop the main map. Like it's it's like and it's like searching for extra ammo and items. It's just like I'd rather just find the I'd I'd rather have the unrealisticness of like them sparkling and me having to scan for constantly to pick extra oh. ammo when I need it and like. And it's the thing, it's like these little niggly things that pull at you, and it's just like, and and like some of the areas, yeah, they're great, and there's some great visual story time, but there's also a lot of like areas that don't have that either, that could just be like, could have had some added or not been there. (laughs) Slightly less, you know, like it's, it's again, it goes back to me before saying there's some, the ingredients are there, the taste isn't right. I found the
1: Genesis scanner more viable than uh Natalia's magic finger.
2: Oh yeah, don't don't give me on that. I don't <laughs> I like don't but, but I I don't like either one of them but um I, and I at least you've got the function that's the one character doing in Revelations. It's one character being able to scan and shoot not having to switch between characters.
3: I find the Genesis mechanic a little bore like to be honest. Yeah. It's it's not fun at all. And I'd rather have it be used to uncover in a, in a way like, like Metroid Prime did it. Like, if you, in Metroid Prime, if you scan flora, fauna, enemies, details on walls and that, it gives you lore. Having to use it to replenish your supplies is not only like it's nonsensical, it's like, how did I not see a box of bullets hidden in a fucking bathroom tap? Oh, the Genesis scanners helped me find it. Yeah, it's just a bit, it's it's a whole lot of nonsense and it's an extra chore on top of the exploration. Which is one of the reasons why I think I find the game a bit of a chore, to be honest. It's like you don't have to in Revelations Two. You don't really have to use the, you know, Natalia's magic finger or Moira's flashlight. You can get through the game because the game gives you plenty of ammo and stuff anyway. But Revelations at times can be a little bit limited unless you do plenty of searching with the uh, yeah. with the Genesis scanner. It's like on your first playthrough, your first time ever through it. Good luck with the comms officer if you've not been um, searching for ammo.
2: Mm. That's exactly what I was about to say. It's it's those things when you get to those bottlenecks, and all of a sudden you 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 know you're talking about open areas, but then you get to this one bottleneck. You can't leave the area. You can't go any further. And if you haven't picked up enough stuff, then it, let's just hope you've got an earlier save. Like,
1: but again, the 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 idea was good, and you see it you know gradually progress to the point I, of save seven. I, yeah, where I I found <laughs> that the hidden items in seven to be wonderfully implemented. It's because they're there in- all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's great. like It's almost like, oh, we've got an idea. Let's hide some items. Why not? Instead of having the spot. But again, this
2: is this is what I mean. It's like the idea is the, the execution isn't quite there yet. Again, much like Sean said at the start, it's an okay game, but there are better evil games that do these elements better. And I think that's why people keep forgetting about this game or putting it lower on the lists because they're like, yeah, yeah, it was fine. It's time, but there's flaws and there's definitely... Things that have been improved upon, and, and that these are all things, yeah, definitely. Like, I, mm. I, I, I want more exploring. I love exploring. Like, even the idea if someone said to me, Right, Capcom's going to come out with a new Resident Evil game, and it's going to be like the old school one to threes. You're going to be exploring and you're going to have pre rendered backgrounds. Yeah, I'm an old school fan, but I'm going to get more excited I'm more excited about the exploring than I would about the pre rendered background. Yeah. And it'll be the same as in 3D. Like, I'm, I'm going to be much more happy to, if you give me a big open space that I can figure out the length of how to get keys to get to this puzzle and it's going to link background and you know, like the mansion, like the RPD, I'm, I'm going to be much more happier about that. But as long as it functionally doesn't feel like I'm battling against the system to make most progress which, you know, having to scan for items and and stuff makes me feel like I'm battling against moving forwards, and then it discourages me from wanting to play the game because I'm like, oh, it's scanning again, I haven't got enough ammo for this boss fight, and then then I just become a whiny bitch.
1: I would like to make a, (laughs) uh, a, a beeline by also stating that the soundtrack is particularly impressive. Um, mm. I think the some of, the, some of this, the tunes here, the the Jack Norman kind of whole the whole Queen Dido section as well with with can, that can, musical entourage.
2: Nick, can I just expand that? The whole soundscape is actually good. The audio effects work, and it's yes. actually pretty good too. I you know I, uh, I I don't want to belittle things that aren't bad about this game, and it's one of the things that is great. It's not just the music, but the, the audio and the, the 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 feeling of being on ships and being in the ocean and being in locations that they see all are very well handled from a from a soundscape kind of perspective.
1: And I think that helps and I think, you know, people may agree that it I think that helps in differentiating the Queen's Zenobia, especially uh from other ships, because at this point we'd have we'd had quite a few, you know, titles on the ship, whether it'd be Gaiden or, you know, Dead Aim. Uh, even Resident Evil Five had a ship section, as did Resident Evil Four. You know, there, there was obviously a lot of design cues. We have uh, George Trevor's involvement with the, um, you know, with, with with the architecture of the Queen Zenobia, but it did have that mansion esque feel, that kind of grandiose feeling, uh, and that and that and the soundtrack really played into it, especially when you get to the kind of main. Like on the kind of main hall, if you want to call it the main hall section, with that you know that that massive kind of swinging clock, and uh, Parker's like, oh, you know, <laughs> now this is our cruise ship or whatever he says. And um, I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of Regency associated with the Zenobia, and I, I think that really does come across. And then that's played off against the fact that actually you've got undead goo monsters, you know, roaming around, and I I think that works particularly well combined with the the Skag Dead, as a particular boss because I want to give him a bit of a shout out even today you know looking back 10 years his file his storyline and you know the, the, the way he comes across is probably up there with itchy tasty in terms of you know the you know the, the general sadness of what he's written down in his diary and that progression into the monster then not only that he's still kind of clinging on to life as this kind of like Parasitic creature attached to this big mouth blob thing is. I, I honestly, as much as I hate hated the boss fight in uh, the 3DS version because I found it near impossible. Easily one of the best characters and files of monstrosity we've ever come across in the in in the series. So I wanted to give a bit of a kudos to that. I don't know if anyone else thought the same.
4: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the the keepers. They were definitely going for the keepers diary vibe, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, with his file.
3: I'll never get behind um, biological chainsaws, though, or uh, buzz saws. What the fuck? We- that actually make, like, you know, whirring engine
4: noises as they chase
3: you.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true. be repeated again in six, wasn't it? But never mind. Um,
4: yeah, this was in the midst of Capcom's chainsaw obsession, wasn't it? Yes. This game.
1: It A staple of Resident Evil games, apparently, is the chainsaw. Going back to the kind of the episodic nature as well, just as you are getting going in Zenobia and you're starting to get your bearings, because it is quite difficult, as Rob says, you can get lost, the map is shite, unless you start to know exactly where you're going. And it is made a bit more complicated by the fact that you've got, you know, almost like weird doors kind of going back on themselves, going down a level, but not. Not sometimes not going quite down a full level by the elevator. It could be quite confusing to exactly where you need to be or, or, or what level you're on at any given time. So just as you're kind of getting your bearings, you're then suddenly thrust you know, over to Finland uh, and and you're battling invisible hunters. That is jarring in one playthrough. So I do think it's one of those funny games uh, whereby you do need to play it one level at a time because that's how it was intended to be played. And I was disappointed that you couldn't just do them in any order you want unlike say revelations 2 where you can kind of pick what chapters you want to do and resident evil 6 once you've unlocked them all i was you know i i I assumed that once you completed it you could go back and go well i want to play chapter 1 1 and then you could actually do it in some kind of chronological order because once you've done the revelations you know you know what's roughly going to happen you don't need to Play it through, you should be able to pick which chapters you want to play. I don't know, did Sean, what did you think about that? You know, did you would you have preferred just to do a huge Zenobia section? I,
3: th- I think if you actually go back and listen to our first look at so this would be 2013 when, um, the unveiled edition or whatever it was called back then, they yeah. you know, when they released it for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox, I, I said something similar to what John said at the beginning of the podcast that I think they should have reworked the console version extensively and actually had a Jill campaign, and then as you go through the story, you unlock Chris's campaign, and Parker's Terragrigia campaign. I, th- I do think it damages the narrative quite a lot, and I think because it throws you all over the place, you almost need that meme, where that guy stood in front of that fucking wall chart with all the red arrows <laughs> scrawled everywhere. And, and that's essentially what John did, as I've referred to a couple of times now tonight, is linked it all together to make it easy to understand. Because honestly, like the way the narrative is presented, the way it jumps into different time periods and, and different locations, it is, I would say it's nigh impossible to follow. And you really do need to sit there almost with a bunch of post-it notes and move them around a, a board because this incriminates this, and what is O'Brien doing here, and Keith and Quinter here, but they're doing something that affects this, and Chris is always a step too late, and I'll know there's two boats even though they're identical, even to the marks on the wall, um, because they use a cheat to sell it, and yeah, it, it's all just a little bit nonsense at times, and until. Like the, the storyline is great and it's full of intrigue, which is something that that political intrigue, which is something that the series doesn't do a lot of, but it's quite kind of fascinating when they do it because it does they, they do have some things they want to say. I think Capcom at times about these big corporations and their level of power that they have. I think there's an interesting commentary that they that they have, and Chris is an interesting character to sort of work against that but it's lost in this truly muddy narrative that doesn't truly know what it wants to be at times and like you say you know you, you globe it's almost like a globe trotting adventure that was like a preview of what they were going to do in Resident Evil 6 but certainly the it needs a lot more refinement to how it was told in this game I would think
4: I would I would agree with that I would have preferred a um a Jill campaign and, and unlock the other characters sections as we went through it I didn't like Teragrigi levels. to play. I actually quite liked the Quentin Keith sections. I enjoy the Invisible far forever. So,
1: so I just, I just wondered whether the, the 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 kind of episodic nature actually interfered with with, with the atmosphere building of the game. Obviously, the Capcom were going for a completely yeah, different. Yeah, I, I was going to
2: say. I, I mean, I kind of alluded to it. The, the the start stop. You start being pulled into a thread, a narrative thread, and then you jump somewhere else, and all of a sudden, oh, oh. Oh, okay i guess i'm picking this up follow that you start getting involved and then it jumps again it's just like you can't you can't be engaged it does mm-hmm. infa- affect the atmosphere it affects the storytelling it impacts all those elements
1: so i didn't necessarily dislike some of the areas like the you know the, the uh the airport and the snow levels I, th- I actually found them quite refreshing you know again a good a new take on An existing kind of like area that's been used before, and it was good as John mentioned earlier as well about how Terra Grisia is actually you know visualised in this game. Although I think there's a lack of BOWs, other than what they do to the hunters is borderline unforgivable. But you know, the actual visuals that you see are quite good. I, as I said, it, it just pulls you out, as you say, you know, from what you, you're getting used to the Zenobia, you're getting used to the storyline, you're getting into it, getting to know your surroundings and, you know, what, what, what are safe routes where you've left particular oozes and, you know, because, you, you know, that kind of thing, you're getting grips to it. And then you suddenly, oh, no, now now I'm firing machine gun at, at some zombie dogs uh whilst jessica's shaking her sweet ass you're like okay fine you know and then you don't quite know when you're gonna go back and you're like oh then you got to kind of build yourself back up to where you were doing and then you by that time you may have forgotten where you've left everything or you know particular it's not
2: it's, uh, it's not just that but the game the gameplay mechanic as you pointed out is almost that fits and burst thing because of the 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 3ds thing so yeah. you might play that segment and then you put the game down and not touch it for a little while and then you come back to it and then all of a sudden you're like where was I again and then it's like oh hang on I thought I was the last time I was on the ship oh no hang on then I had that segment with the snow and then what did I do after that and you forget like you're more likely to forget we what you've been doing and I, and I, so I think that what what John has said in the past and what Sean reiterated before which is that when they re released it they really should have really looked at the rescheduling and re you know reassessing the, the way these scenarios played out at least to v- provide play as original 3ds order or here's how it goes play it's the one thing i think they got right for resident Evil 6 and then was that you you know when you originally first if you bought that on launch day you had to play each campaign to unlock the next campaign and you play all four campaigns in order to play ada's campaign. and eventually they went right, you can just play it. like and i think that kind of what should have happened here so it was but kind of in reverse it should have been yeah okay play Jules campaign and then so far through you'll unlock these other ones and you can choose whether or not you want to keep finishing Jules one or you can take a pause here and Go off and play those if you want to play a bit of a different story, and and leave it up to player agency, like what they would like to do. I'm don't get me wrong, and dogs or whatever.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's unplayable. Far from it. I actually find it, you know, uh, an enjoyable game. Uh, in in spits and spot, you know, spits and spurts, absolutely. And I I don't think it would be fair for me to say I wish it had stayed on handheld. But as you said, no. it's clear it's clearly designed to be handheld I, in, in that sense I just as you said, I just wonder whether they, they, they could have been the unveiled edition could have been you know that 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 as you say that option of being able to mm. do the chapters as, as you like gear mm,
2: and it as Sean as and John both said yeah it's it, 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 I think it's a very pressing com- comment to make in 2013 it's a very pressing com- comment to make about it reassessing it now I well, it's not um, been followed
1: since I suppose. I suppose that, that, no, that's... I mean,
2: yeah, when they re-released it to Switch, it, it didn't change. And
1: well, arguably yeah. on Switch, it should be it should be perfect on Switch, then, isn't it? You know, that's designed with kind of mobile and you know handheld in mode. You know, it should be at well, home
2: well, mobile Switch. and also at home, obviously. Yeah, you can yeah. play either all. Yeah. But my understanding is that the Switch port was not amazing. But is okay, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not 100% on that. I haven't played it myself. I can't. I can't speak. so I can only, well, I'm trying to remember when it came out. It was.
1: Going back then to where, right where we started, one of the points I've made that I wanted to discuss with everyone was the general replayability of this title. Uh, we've we've spoken about it at the beginning um, in the grand scheme of things. Sean, you said it's not something you particularly look forward to playing. Do you upon re, replay throughs? You said you mentioned like you, you played on the PC version, a bit like me, I suppose. I, I I have not a lot of love for Resident Evil Five, but when I actually played it. In co-op you know if someone suggested oh let's play it i'll be like yeah go on then i saw it in a slightly different light has playing it in pc mode with mouse and keyboard helped you go yeah i'll, I'll stream this
3: soon <laughs> without getting a soapbox if life allows me to i would like to actually get back these games to everybody again soon and the whole point of um playing on the pc version is to hopefully get inferno mode or hell mode or because that will be one of the future streams coming up because i think it'll be fun to see people literally lose trying to play this game on its hardest difficulty. Um, that Assassin keys is, is a relatively transformative experience for the HD version, because like I say, I find the analogue aiming on the console versions totally off. Yeah, it's, it's a strange enigma of a game to me. I just find it a little bit bland, I think is, is the most sort of damning thing to say to it. I like my RE games to have a bit much to them. It probably seems madness to some people, but that's That's one of the reasons why I think I would prefer to play Resident Evil 6 over Revelations, because it just has a little bit more punch. Even if it's nonsense and completely ridiculous, I I think RE6 has a bit more personality to it. Even if it's not great personality, you know what I mean? It, it, it's it's a little bit more interesting, So sort the of things it does. This was the game that was kind of sold to base as being the game that would give you what you wanted if you like the old horror-driven games. And though it was a step in the right direction for sure, that's a bit disingenuous. It is still very combat-heavy. It's very linear in terms of its puzzles. It has time been we'll kind right. to it? I don't know, in all honesty.
1: I would say, as I said, as I started this podcast by saying I've been pleasantly surprised. People will know I don't like to double dip or triple dip with my game. So I have this on PlayStation 3. I had Revelations 2 on PlayStation 3 as well. But I double dipped and went on PlayStation 4 so I could stream it. Uh, which I have done so recently, because I really, really enjoy Revelations 2. I always anticipated Revelations 1 remaining on my PlayStation 3, because I didn't have a lot of interest in it. I will say, in preparation for this podcast, and replaying it again in shooter mode, where I've got a bit more accustomed to playing that and not playing it in classic mode, I can categorically confirm that I am now considering a double dip on it just so I can stream it in the future. And for me, that is praiseworthy indeed. It takes a lot for me to part with my cat, as my wife will testify. (laughs) That, if that's not a glowing endorsement, I don't know what is. So um, I'm going to continue playing. Uh, onwards, because I have actually very much enjoyed the playthrough. I just I just have to kind of grin and bear it for the Terra it's uh, moments and the the, the uh, oh, I can't pronounce it John the airport. Volcoyne and Mocky Airport. Yeah what he said. That airport. <laughs> um, you know it's a leftover from Resident Evil five. I don't like five, I don't like six, I don't particularly like four for the action heavy I just have to go right, you know, that bit's for that. I can get an I can get enough survival horror ish from Revelations in in the Zenobia section for me to be generally satisfied. So as I said, I'm considering it. So that's my positivity, te- positivity-ness of it. Rob, what about, what about you in terms of replayability?
2: Mm, no. I mean, I, I think fundamentally what tells me about it originally is that I have still the copy from the 3DS. I still have the game. I don't have the 3DS to play it on anymore. Um, <laughs> but I never finished it on the 3DS. And then I finally played it when it came out on PS3 and I finished it, but I never went back to it. I've, so I finished it once until literally we went and you were like, next episode we're going to do is Revelations and we better replay it. And and I'm like... Ah. I was like, all right, I'll suck it up. Maybe it'll be better than I remember. Picked up the PS3 coffee, tracked it on. No, I (laughs) do.
1: I do fear for you, then, Rob. This year, in our retrospective look back on many, at least three games this year, Revelations was very much considered to be the highlight of the year. So it's only going to go downhill after that.
2: (laughs) Well, as 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 Sean said, you know, Six has got its problems, but it's got a bit more spice to it. I mean, I'll I'll, there'll be bits about it I'm going to complain my way through, but I'm also going to be like, yeah, that was at least entertaining. As I said, I keep making soup analogies a little bit of spice in the soup revelations is is, is is there's some great elements some somebody put some right ingredients in but somebody then knocked just container of salt in somewhere or whatever it is it's gone bland it's gone basic it's gone tasteless ladies, is poor.
3: ladies and gentlemen isn't it just great to have the usually truly balanced as all things should be rob <laughs> actually completely going down a rabbit hole of genuine criticism. And
0: it's, it I can't,
2: can't constantly sit on the fence about everything. I just <laughs> one of those Nick rants, you know, I hated this. I hated that. I hated yeah. that. And then I'll give it seven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, what about you, my friend? Replayability in general overview, then?
4: Yeah, I would agree there's not much replayability here in terms of if you want a quick Resident Evil fix. I don't think Revelations would be at the top of anyone's list. But overall, I have fond memories of the game. It's a product of its time. It's very rough around the edges these days. It's got its faults certainly, but I can forgive its mistakes because, you know, it was originally conceived as a handheld side game. Things like Resident Evil 6, you know, that's a mainline sequel. It was Capcom's biggest budgeted game and I find that sort of thing unforgivable for the faults the game has, whereas Revelations, I, for, I can forgive it. For me, underrated. I'm quite sad that Rob's had a, a meltdown over it. I didn't think he hated it that much. Um <laughs>
2: it's it's Um, it's it's my it's my it's my code veronica for you oh
4: yeah (laughs) fair (laughs) enough but yeah, disappointing. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I, I'm quite saddened that not more of the community uh, fights for this game, really, because as I said, it brings back a lot of the old en- uh, elements, hub gameplay, key questing, Jill and Chris, quite in-depth files, screwdrivers that you find when you have to drain dirty water out of bathtubs, yeah. you know, old Resident Evil one style Keeper's diary files, etc. It seemed like Capcom made a big effort to sort of really bring it back to the older times compared. to to the likes of Resident Evil 4 and 5, I should say. So, in that respect, I'm disappointed not more people like it, but I fully understand the uh, criticisms you guys have brought up, and I think Rob's analogy is a very good one when he says, you know, the ingredients are there, but the final result just doesn't quite taste as it should. But, yeah, I'll, I'll still have fond memories of the game, and I'll always defend the storyline in particular. So
2: I'll be very interested to see what people's reaction are listening to what we're talking about on this episode, and, you know, for all I know, then maybe there'll be a comp- complete undercurrent of, like, absolute love for the game that will just come out on our Discord and elsewhere saying, hey, you know, actually I'm a fan, you know, or whatever, or there'll be people saying yeah, no, the, the game was terrible, you know, whatever, but I'll be interested because I, I think one of the other elements of this is that it's forgotten quite often, not really discussed, but it's also not discussed as, like, a bad thing either. It's not like people turn around and really crap on it a lot, publicly, all the time, you know, it's, 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 it's it is kind of forgotten, and so if people turn around and say, you know, if there's a bunch of people out there go She yeah, it's one of my favorites or it's one of my least favorites i i kind of won't be surprised either way
1: well we do have a call in from one of our patrons jonski um so he wanted to comment upon his views of revelations so let's hear what he has to say
0: hi everyone johnski here i wanted to give a quick call in because revelations doesn't get too much love on the discord and i didn't want to see the game getting short shrift here firstly just to explain where i was coming from when starting this game For various reasons I hadn't played many RE games for over a decade, just the PS2, RE4, but I'd been religiously buying every release. I'd tentatively started RE5 and when I found myself home alone for a weekend decided to finish it. It was a grind and nothing like the B-movie horror of the old games. So I looked at my choices of the next game to play, it was either RE6 or this strange Revelations title. I have no idea why but I chose Revelations and it was the right call. Straight away it immerses you in a great environment, dripping with atmosphere and looking absolutely gorgeous. I ran through the game over the course of that weekend and loved almost every minute. I appreciate that everyone has their favorite Jill and can understand why this version might have annoyed people. But for me, I'm perfectly fine with how they played her. I loved the monster designs and there was enough variety to keep it interesting. Most of the locations are excellent, even if I would have preferred a game that just free roamed the Queens Zenovia. It also had one of the best final boss fights in any game. And the plot was sufficiently mental that it took until I found the RVP for me to realise exactly what happened. Thank you, Bats. Raid mode is a very enjoyable twist on the Mercenaries mode as well. It's not without its faults Jessica and Rachel's outfits, Jackass and Grinder, the Terra Grisia levels, and the Malacoda battle. Maybe it's a bit short, but that's understandable given it started life as a handheld game. And whilst I enjoy Raid mode, Revelations 2 has done this much better since. Oh, and they should have let Parker, Jackass and Grinder die. What's the point of the emotional send-off to then have Parker rock up safe and sound in the med? So overall, this is the game that made me fall back in love with RE, and so for me, this is always well inside my top 10. Thanks, and keep up the good work. He's going to be
2: so disappointed
0: with me.
4: (laughs) I think he's just articulated better in that minute everything I've tried to say on this podcast. (laughs) I
1: think it was a very interesting call, in. and uh, yeah, he's obviously gone through a lot of points. You know, the main hub point as well with the with the Zenobia uh, being you know, accessible. I agree with him. I think the atmosphere is great. Something we haven't really touched upon actually is is is, is the kind of monster choice and Jonski mentioned there that there's quite a good variety I, I'm i very much torn on the BOWs in this game in the sense that this was one of the I mean it wasn't the first because I think RE5 did it first where the, the, the enemy roster just expanded to huge proportions and I started to very much lose uh, the ability to remember the names of everything I and I started to yearn for the good old days of liquor, Hunter, Zombie, Dog, Moth, Cat, Bird <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it,
2: I think it's one of those things where I I don't mean to be negative about the design, because I do actually think there are some great enemies in there, but there is a certain homogeneity to the design where when you start working with blob monsters essentially in shapeless forms that are slightly humanoid more and more and that's something that isn't from just Revelations obviously started kind of probably more like from 4 really 4 yeah, yeah. but it's kind of it reaches an an idea where you can only kind of go so far with that before you kind of start running out of ideas or things start looking I mean when I say 4 I mean there was enemies in in Dead Aim you know there's that the, the Pluto is it I think the, the big giant ones which is a bit like the Silent Hill big guys that are kind of the same in Silent Hill 3 there's only so far you can go with these ranges, so you try to diversify to try and make up for it and you kind of lose I think a little bit of what makes those earlier monster designs a little bit more special or a little bit more interesting because they're kind of a bit more unique and it's not something that's specific to Revelations it's it's, it's just an across the board franchise kind of deal when you stop just dealing in one particular type of enemies I think that's why 7 was kind of jarring for some people when you really only had really one type of enemy plus the bakers and it was such a very specific design you know it had a very intent but then you there are certain ones that obviously stick like regenerators and four and you know that that sort of stuff is kind of occasionally you you strike gold or something that kind of sticks and then yeah you know, six is probably the the worst i think for that
1: well a lot of these are, and revelations included you, you you feel that they, they designed the enemies around a particular mechanic that mm. they wanted to implement as opposed to what they felt was needed. So
2: or what was the scariest or what was yeah, yeah. what was the yeah, thematic. It was like, we need something that can kind of shape shapeshift through vents.
1: Well, we, you know, we want someone to fu- you know, we need we need it to, because it's over the shoulder, you can see much further so we need a, a monster to fire a projectile at you, you know, so yeah. over the years I mean, you've had the slinger and then you've got the ooze in this and it and almost there's, felt there's, secondary.
2: I was going to say, there's definitely some regenerator kind of stuff in the, you know, up close ooze attacks, you know, with them grabbing and kind of leeching itself onto your neck and grabbing yeah. you and kind of, yeah, there's, there's, there's those elements elements of like we, we're trying to do more of what we think works really well and not quite nailing it the same again, kind of going back to the whole same analogy, I'm not going to repeat it again. He listed off as well on the call you know, a bunch of the same flaws that we've seen, you know, and they're all understandable like I kind of understand that, and the things that he enjoys, I can totally understand why someone someone enjoy it, and especially if your choice was the first time to play this or sex, like, I think it probably was the right choice. I think he made
1: the right, I 100% agree. I think, I think
2: you right haven't choice. played it, before. I don't mm-hmm. think, for replayability, I think, I mean, sex will be interesting to go back to, but for a first time, yeah. Uh, his, other, make, his
1: other point Point is something I can't comment on because I don't do such things. Raid mode, Sean. Sure, I know this is a bit more of your bag than uh, yeah. than others. What's raid mode like in Revelations, and how's that evolved, and how does that? Because obviously, since then, we then got like evolutions of that in Reverse and Mercenaries mode, and RE6 was quite popular with the, with the kind of mercenaries. How, how does and Revelations two as well with its raid mode, which Johnski mentioned. How, how how does that look back
3: now? Yeah, raid mode. Raid mode in Revelations is okay. The, the biggest problem with it is. is is it sort of um, raid mode just for people who haven't played it and I'm sure everybody has but it's essentially a game where you're given in, in Revelations 1 you're given a level of the game to basically work through on a geographical sense you don't have to do like the key finding or anything like that but you have like a point A point B there's enemies you have to take out in the game and they're all based around the chapters in the main game in Revelations 1 it's okay it's, it's you work through these levels you get scored at the end of it and collects like uh, you know we- weapons and there's some rare weapons you can get and it's you know, a bit random number generator based and, and things like that. And it's a fun experience. Raid mode was perfected in Revelations 2, and I think anyone who's really got into any kind of deep dive with Revelations 2 raid mode will see it as like a greatest hits of the series. It's got returning characters from so many games. It's got stages from, you know, Resident Evil 6, Revelations 1, Revelations 2, and it, it, it's a bit of a sort of collective celebration as a, as a game mode. Revelations 1 raid mode is a bit constricted with the fact that the levels are based on the very linear design of, which is fine. For a supplement mode. So, yeah, I mean, raid mode's fun. It it, it it can be a big time sink. There's lots of characters to unlock. There's lots of different costumes. You can play as Lady Hunk if you want to. It's obviously her debut in the series for anyone who wants that and know she's not canon. And John Ski also mentioned about the enemy variety, which you touched upon, Nick. I just want to just mention that one of the reasons why I'd kind of like to showcase, forgive me if it's Inferno or Hell. I know on one version it's Hell, on another version it's Inferno, but the wall blisters do add an, an additional. Additional BOW to the games, and they are quite prominent in the um, hardest difficulty, uh, almost to a detriment, you know, they're actually quite, quite, I seem to remember, they're quite numerous. But on the whole, I wouldn't say there's a massive amount of enemy variety there, and raid mode is certainly held back by that lack of enemy variety, which is something, again, Revelations 2 fixes. Yeah, and you obviously alluded to other game modes and what in the series. The only thing I can say about that is it's kind of humorous to me that in Village, they call mercenaries mercenaries, where it has far more in common with a raid mode. I am very surprised to this date there's never been a downloadable title. that's That's been released for like £15. That is just like a multiplayer raid mode Mercenaries experience with like unlocks and cosmetic costumes and things. So I think that would do good money because there's a, a genuine hunger for these kind of multiplayer game modes, which is one of the reasons why I think Capcom keep trying it one of the final sort of points I'd just like to touch upon briefly is for anyone looking to replay this one of the questions that's going to come up is you know what is the definitive version of the game and that's a bit of a complex question because Mm. obviously where it started was on the 3DS and the 3DS version comes with a number of boons if you like and one of them is the two screen setup because the game is infinitely more streamlined on the 3DS whereas they've had to kind of retrofit that onto the HD version so that's why you have like the weird floaty map which you haven't had in really any of the other games in the series Um, it's definitely more at home on the 3ds its presentation probably benefits that hardware more but that's not to say there hasn't been like genuinely good texture work that has been done for the hd versions for people who just say the hd version is a straight port of the 3ds version is totally incorrect Mm. anyone who goes back to the 3ds version will go god fucking hell those textures are rough you know they have had some work but at the same time think of the hardware think of what it was coming out on it's an amazing just title for for the 3DS it has a 3D mode which whether you subscribe to 3D or not whether it's whether it's a gimmick to you or a genuine innovation the fact is Revelation has one of the better 3D modes on the 3DS because of the way it utilizes its geography and, and sense of location works quite well with the the 3D that the 3DS uses. It has laser sights. I know it sounds minor, but it's genuinely a massive thing. Um because the floaty weird floaty crosshair doesn't line up with your gun properly in the three in the versions, and it's kind of nonsense. So the game I think is a is a roundabout better gameplay presentation experience on the 3DF because it feels more at home, but in terms of content obviously it doesn't have the wall blisters it doesn't have the expanded raid mode and all the additional collectibles and it doesn't have the additional costumes like Sailor Chris and uh, Pirate Jill and Ninja Keith for anybody who likes those kind of things to unlock when you finish the game so it's a very murky answer Like I would say the HD versions is the definitive version of the game but it's definitely hamstrung by the fact that they've had to force fit square peg round hole kind of thing a portable game into a fully fledged console experience. I don't think it quite
2: works. Would you say, Sean, as well, with the with the talking about with the PC version with the aiming stuff, does the PC version run well otherwise? There's no other technical issues or
3: yeah, the PC version will run as well as, as your PC can do it. it it's a, it's a, like a full frame rate, you know, and if, you're re- if, you're, if your PC can do it, it can be a, a 4K
2: experience if you've the resolutions and such. So if you have a PC, it's probably, as far as like the HD version, that's probably your best bet as far as if you were going to go between consoles and PC.
3: I remember as well when it came out on the PS3 version. So anyone who's got the PS3 version or the Xbox 360 version, and I think indeed the Wii U version, for some reason, even though the hardware at the time was more than capable, they locked it at 30 frames a second. And to get to play Revelations in 60 FPS, which is the PS4 and Xbox One version, I don't know about the Switch actually. I would have to. I'd have to look up the Switch. But playing it in 60 FPS, as with any game in this series, is is definitely preferential if you've you know if you can do. So, Nick, you were talking about, like, you know, you may double dip. I would would actually recommend it. Go for it. Because you you are playing a better version of the game Mm. on, on newer hardware, for sure. Well,
1: I think we'll leave it there. A nice positive end to our discussion on uh, Revelations. I hope everyone has enjoyed our look back on the last 10 years. I think we've covered a vast array of issues dealing with uh, the game itself, technical limitations, its uh, storyline, consequences and impact, but also trying to fit it in with how it kind of looks back on with uh, future titles. So hopefully everyone's found that particularly enjoyable. But we now uh, finish the podcast with this edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz.
4: Twenty-five years of Resident Evil. Ten years of the Resident Evil podcast. Expert knowledge is needed. In what we call... The Quiz.
0: This was my only opportunity for a point this
3: week. (laughs) Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero (laughs) points for me this week. Thank you. (laughs) (coughs) Bye-bye.
4: We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz, (laughs) we're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Jesus Christ, (laughs) fucking (laughs) question, is that?!
1: Batman
3: Star Tyrants George Trevor Rocky the Mr. Spencer.
0: Neptune. Quiz.
1: Hello, welcome one and all, and because we are celebrating uh, 10 years of Resident Evil Revelations, it is highly appropriate that we have a Revelations-themed quiz. So how well have you been paying attention to the game? Interestingly, I think people are going to do quite well. I'm semi-expecting four or, 4 or 5 out of 5. So let's see how we'll get on, so if you can clear your desktops. Here we go! Question number one, I think you'll all get this one. What is the name of the hunter-like creature... That was added for the Revelations HD edition. Question at number two. Sticking with EOWs, name the four types of ooze you encounter in the game. Half a point if you get two. A full point if you get all four. Oh, thank you. Question number three. Jill does a deep dive into a globster at the beginning of the game. What does she recover from inside the creature? Question number four. According to the file, George Trevor based the Zenobia on the golden age of cruise ships. What decade was this? And finally, question number five. The T-Abyss virus is red in colour, but what colour is the prototype vaccine? There we go. There are the five questions. Join us after this one. We'll run through those answers.
2: could not, would not, on a boat, I will not, these ooze, enjoy their bloat, I will not play the segments in the snow, not in the dark, not in the waters below, not also on the beach, while ranting about bad soup, you let me preach, I do not like it, how many segments or bits, even though the guys will like Rachel's tits, I will not play the bit in Teregrigia, not very Resident Evil, no scares made either. I do not like it, stated with much elations. I do not like it, Resident Evil, Revelations. I do not like the game, a total sham, I do not like it, full wrong. I am.
1: I'm sensing confidence from the panel here. Let's find out how well they have done. So, question number one was: What is the name of the hunter-like creatures that were added in Revelation HD? I think we've been we've said it a few times. Batman. Um, Wall Blister. Rumbi.
2: Wall
1: So, Tyrant.
3: Wall Blister
1: correct there we go i i really like the wall blisters I, I i think they should have been a hunter type variant myself but there we go correct points all round. good start gentlemen good start. question number two this is a bit trickier name the four types of ooze you encounter in the game Start. star
3: uh, ooze, skag dead wall blister that's my daughter screaming just one moment
2: <laughs> Rombie. I know there's one with a pincer arm, so I think it's pincer. Uh, there's like a, the normal or standard ooze. Uh, I don't can't remember the other names after that. I know there's an, at least one more I'm not aware of, and you're telling this four, so I can't remember the other two names.
4: Okay, so at least at least got two there, perhaps, potentially Batman. Well, I suppose I've cheated a little bit here because I only know this because I've been working on this law file recently. So it's um it's standard ooze. It's an ooze pincer, an ooze tricorn and an ooze chunk.
1: It's the correct answer. A full point, yes. The standard ooze is your one you encounter everywhere. The chunk is the ones that blow up. Uh, the tricorn mm. have the kind of like triangular shield thing that they've got going on. And the pizza's the one that fires at you. Well, that might be the other way around actually thinking about it. But there we go. So a point to Batman. Half a point there to Rombie. We're getting two with ooze and ooze pincer, so very well done. No points for stars. Time. Question number three. Jill does a deep dive into a globster at the beginning of the game. What does she recover from inside the creature? Batman.
4: It's a uh, an empty tea abyss
1: vial. Okay, Rombie?
2: I'm trying to think of the. Why oh, was it the earlier bit with the gun? Oh, that oh, that was just under a vent. Maybe just. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm just gonna go with a gun, but I'm but now I'm starting to doubt that. That's where I wrote down originally, but now John's made that comment. I'm going with the gun that I originally said.
1: Put him with the gun. Stars Tyrant.
2: Uh, I had empty abyss vial. So T T-abyss if you wanted to be accurate,
3: but my exact wording was abyss vial.
1: Yes, no, that's fine. Yes, that is correct. It's a T-abyss sample. Uh, she pulls out from the gut of the globster, proving once yeah. again that um, skin contact between viruses doesn't always work. There we go. Question number 4 according to the file George Trevor based the, Z- the Zenobia on the golden age of cruise ships. Now originally I had the question as the wh- when was the Zenobia constructed but I thought no we'll we'll do a slightly different one. So what era what decade was the Zenobia based on? Rombi? Uh 20s
2: the 1920s. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh start
3: I put the fifties. I had no idea.
1: Fifties, Batman.
4: I think it's the thirties.
1: It is the nineteen thirties. <laughs> point to Batman. Very good. Yes, the thirties is correct. Constructed in seventy-eight, based on the thirties design. So there we. Go. Would would George have got that one? Who knows? Question number five was: the T. Abyss virus is red. Everyone loves a colour question. But what colour is the prototype vaccine? Rombi.
2: Green.
1: Batman. Yeah, I think it's green. So sorry.
3: I thought it was purple, so hey.
1: It was green, it was green, mm. so a point to Batman and Romby, congratulations. Let's have a look at those final scores, and I, my instincts served me well, for we have a winner, with a full <laughs> house, five out of five. Oh, this gosh. is why I shouldn't answer, I, I do the questions, we need everyone to try and trick him, but congratulations Batman. Five out of five. Well done, sir.
4: Well, thank you. But again, I think I've had a bit of an unfair advantage because I've been working on this law file. So, (laughs) Never
1: mind. Never mind. Uh, In second place with very respectable two and a half is Romby.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, And in last place, holding everyone else up with two out of five is Stars Tyrant. Of course. Well done. (laughs) done. That concludes uh, this edition of Neptune's Buy Has a Quiz. Join us next time when we'll have some more questions. go. We are rapidly (laughs) approaching the end of the podcast. Uh, Something I didn't mention in the news was that I have recently completed my stream playthrough of uh, Revelations 2. Why am I bringing up that now? Because moving into the next podcast we are going to be celebrating 20 glorious years of Resident Evil Remake with our special Happy Birthday Remake podcast. And what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? That means I'm going to be streaming Resident Evil Remake for the first time in a number of years. In fact, the first time I've ever streamed it, the first time I've played it in uh, 15, 15 years? 15 years. Fucking hell. No, it
2: won't, it won't. It can't be the first time you've played it in 15 years. You must have played the HD.
1: I played. No, that's true. I, I I played the HD version because uh, John, you kindly sent it to me in the post for PlayStation okay. Three. So I played a little bit of it then in preparation of the podcast. But I've not. I compl-
2: remember this. I remember yes. having this conversation.
4: Have you still got it? No, I sent it back. Did you? All right, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've I completely forgotten about that. I was just wondering where it was. But no, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I've not completed
1: it since I first played it. So uh it is a long time. No,
3: that is scandalous, Nick. Fucking you, you don't admit those kind of things on you know what you constantly sell as you know the world's leading Resident Evil podcast. Uh, I, I, I
2: I love how the fact that we've had this entire like long long conversation about revelations, and that's probably the one comment that people are going to get the most upset about. <laughs>
4: yeah. That's the biggest revelation. <laughs> <laughs> cue, the, cue the music. So
1: there we go, Uh, so that should be fun because as with all my streams, I've generally forgotten where everything is and what happens Um, so I'll be keeping an eye out on our social media and I'll be be doing that at some point, but the plan is our usual Happy Birthday uh, remake so if you've listened to previous Happy Birthday podcasts, we basically go through the entire game from beginning to end uh, giving our listeners I say tips because that's a bit disingenuous uh, our experiences of how we played the game or how I will inevitably die whilst going through the mansion experience. So, um,
2: especially, especially because you'll probably play it in ways that nobody will expect, because Nick mode.
1: That, that's that's <laughs> absolutely true. That's certainly true. I have to remember that we have things like defensive items in this game. So there yeah, we go. And
2: you can and you can set fire to the zombies so they don't come back.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, watch out for the guy with sunglasses, Nick. He's a bit shifty. In case. Is he? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> noted, noted.
2: And there's a uh, so, giant shark there. There's a giant shark. You'll be excited about that one.
1: Yes, I shall. Absolutely. <laughs> so there's a lot to look forward to in this very busy year that is 2022. Um, and we're all very much looking forward to replaying remake from beginning to end and uh, I'll be sharing that with everyone so but with Revelations though, that's the end of our retrospective discussion I hope everyone has enjoyed it and on that note it is goodbye for me
4: Neptune <laughs> goodbye for me Batman
3: goodbye for me Star Siren and goodbye for me Romney. <laughs>